be careful that you do not get sucked into thinking that this is it. That this is all there is. That, that this is so important that my whole life needs to revolve around what I have, what I want, what I... Like, Jesus says, no, it doesn't. There's something greater. There's something beyond today. Here it comes, brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight. Promise of new life. Your word, oh God, your word to me, making me all that I need to be. Your word, oh God, means the world to me, the world to me. Good evening, my name is Marco, and I'm here with my friend Pastor Stan Starkey, and you're listening to A Word with God. Stan, have you ever had people always telling you how to run your life? Yes, I have a lot of people. And we have a lot of people like that in our lives. Today, actually, we're going to open up the Word of God, and He is going to He's going to give us some words on how to do that very thing. We're in what chapter, Stan? Chapter 6. Good. That's the sixth chapter of Luke. Open up your Bibles, and let's get started. Luke chapter 6, and we are beginning in verse 20. We've been looking at getting out there and this entering into our world and sharing our faith and who we are with the people around us. And we're going through the book of Luke and we're seeing how Jesus engaged people. And so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at uh, the need of the power of the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. We saw that in Jesus' life. Everything he was doing was through the power of the Holy Spirit. We too need to be connected to the same power source. It's just like like mowing your lawn without plugging it in or putting gas in it. I mean, you can go back and forth all you want. If you're not connected to the power source, you won't be accomplishing anything. And if we're going to accomplish things spiritually, we need to be connected to our God through the power of His Holy Spirit. The second thing we looked at is that we need to be a part of a team. Jesus drew together, worked together. And, and brought together people to accomplish things in a greater way together than they did separately and individually. And there's where the church was born, and you and I are a part of that. And so if we're going to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish, we need to be connected to this thing called the body. Church is like not optional, and I'm not talking about the building and the grounds and all that, which is nice to have a place to come, but that's not the church. I mean, we're here this morning, and we are the church because we are here with the Spirit of God working in our lives. This morning, we are going to look at entering into our world, uh, that we need to look at the world through Jesus' eyes. We need to get a glimpse of what Jesus sees, what, what Jesus is about, and where his heart is. If we're going to understand what's going on around us, and we're going to be effective, then we need to see the world as Jesus sees it. I also wanted to mention that this church thing is a, is, a, is a worldwide thing. It's not just the church here at Spadina or the church here in Kitchener or Ontario or Canada, but it, it, it spreads out, and we've seen that today, I mean, Colombia and, and in Italy. And right now, the church in Haiti is struggling. And uh, in fact, if there's some of you that have something on your heart to do for Haiti, there's some things we're looking at. And uh, this together, we get together as elders this week. We're going to be looking at some options because it says, first of all, we're to help those of the household of faith. 
And the church is decimated. And we'll show you some pictures next week. The churches are like totally flattened. Not the buildings too, but the people have been decimated. And pastors are missing and congregants are missing. And and the church is just really suffering in Haiti right now. And so we're just asking, there's some things that are going on, some, some people coming together to minister to the churches so the churches then can minister to the people in them and around them. So we help our brothers and sisters, and our brothers and sisters begin become the arms and the legs of Jesus entering into their world. That's pretty cool, I think. And so if you have that on your heart, if you wanted to give something today, just take one of those blue envelopes and mark on it, Haiti. But next week we're going to give you a much broader, comprehensive look at what we're going to be accomplishing. Are you there? Are you ready? Let's go into the Word. And turning his gaze towards his disciples. Remember, there's this large group of disciples. He's chosen out the 12, and, and they are the ones who are, are going to be the core of this new movement. They're the ones that are going to turn the earth upside down in a matter of weeks and months. But there was a large group of these disciples together. And uh, he began to say, and we're going to look at the first things, which is some blessings pronounced in verses 20 to 23. Blessed, happy, fortunate, are you who are poor. The idea of poor there is destitute of wealth, influence, position, honor. No honor, no position, no wealth. No, not I mean poor is poor. As they say when, when I was growing up, poor is dirt. Okay, that's that kind of poor. Blessed are you who are poor, for because yours is the kingdom of God. Idea of kingdom there is to come under the rule of. If you have nothing, if you are destitute, you are under the rule, the authority, the power of God. God is the only thing going for you, okay? And he's describing this here. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now. Idea of not just just hunger for food, but suffer want. Not just food, but, I mean, if, if you hunger for things in life. Maybe a place to stay. Maybe it, maybe it is food and sustenance. Maybe it is just the ability to survive if you are hungering for that. Blessed are you who hunger now. You shall be satisfied. Idea of being filled. Filled right up. Blessed are you who weep now. Mourn. Suffer. Suffer pain. Suffer anguish. For you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you. The idea of hate is to pursue, not just saying, you know, I, 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 I don't like you, but when they pursue you and that hatred, and it's like, ever had somebody that just kind of like follows you around trying to make your life miserable? Maybe that person at work, and it's just like wherever you go, that person is just creating trouble in your life. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a worker. Maybe it's somebody at school, but that pursuing, blessed are you. When men hate you and ostracize you, means to exclude as disreputable. It doesn't mean they just leave you alone, but they attack your reputation when they ostracize you. Don't hang out around him because, and you fill in the blank. Don't do that. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil. This has moved to casting out with violence. They've moved from just words to actions for the sake of or because of the Son of Man. 
how am I supposed to respond to this treatment? Like, like this doesn't seem reasonable. This doesn't seem practical. Like, what, what's the natural response? What would, what would you do if, if that was to happen to you, James? Yes, yes, James. Well, I was highlighting. So. Okay, that's okay. Like, what would your response be? If somebody does these kinds of things to you, what's the natural response? Uh, I think you're being too good in church. Mark, how would you respond? <laughs> okay, we won't want to talk about that in church. He's saying, we don't even want to go down that road. Be glad. Be glad. I, there means to rejoice and do well. I mean, I did, that's just not how I feel. When things are happening to me, I am not a, I mean, I'm glad we got some saints here today, but I mean, I want to get back at people. I want to, I want to like get in their face and tell them to stop it. I want to push them off. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. That's stupid. That's just stupid. Don't you think that's stupid? Lauren, does that sound stupid to you? When I was younger, okay, okay. Man, there's some very religious people here this morning. For behold your reward. My reward. It means the idea of fruit of our labor, your interest on investment. For behold your reward is great in heaven. How do I know this to be true? Why, why would that comfort me? I, I, I don't, it doesn't sound, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. You're in good company, is what he's saying there. Then he pronounces some woes in verses 24 to 26. And he's contrasting to the blessed. He's like, these are the blessed. These are the people who are happy and fortunate. Not so much for these people. I looked up woe, and the definition of woe is woe. Okay, so not good. Okay, not good. But not good or woe to you who are rich. He's contrasting that with the poor. Rich there, resounding in material resources. Abounding, so not resounding, abounding in material resources. For you are receiving your comfort, your consolation in full. What you've got now is what you get, and when you get to where you're going, when what you've gotten is gone, there's nothing there. Did you follow that? No, okay, I'm not going to do it again. Basically, this is all there is for you. Ouch. Woe to you who are well fed now. It means to glut oneself. That's where our word glutton comes from. Woe to you gluttons. For you shall be hungry. You will crave ardently. Ardently, that's a different word. I had looked that one up too. Like, crave ardently. Contrasted with hunger. Woe to you who laugh now. He's contrasting those who weep. For you shall mourn and weep. And that word mourn and weep there is like, is like what you do over a dead body. There's a death here. And it's not just a physical death. And finally in 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Ouch. Hey, Marco, what are you doing in Canada Day? Like, which, which day? The first, second, well, the third? The first. What are you doing the first? I'm spending time with my wife. That sounds like a great thing she to do. She likes fireworks. She does. Yes, she does. So spending time with you creates fireworks? Yes, it does. Okay, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm not going to ask anything else there, but what are you doing the Saturday after on July 3rd? I'm not too sure, but I really like fireworks too. 
Well, there's going to be fireworks on July 3rd as well at the Hinsberger Farm. Now, that's a farm that's just outside of New Dundee, and we are having a pork roast. We're having a great big Canada Day celebration with uh, worship music and outdoor baptism. We're going to be having a lot of fun and some games and and food and stuff for the kids. And and it is just going to be an amazing afternoon. Stan? Yes? Ask me what I'm doing on July 3rd. What are you doing on July 3rd? I'm going to the Hinsberger Farm. What time are you going to be there? Why don't you tell me? 6 p.m. And if you need directions, you can email us at info at evangelcommunity.com. Two thoughts from this. There's a direct correlation between the life, this life, and the next. If I get all of my, if I put all of my values in what happens to me today, if I wait today and what my life is like today and what I'm all about today, then I will be bitterly disappointed when I die. Be careful that you do not get sucked into thinking that this is it, that this is all there is, that, that this is so important that my whole life needs to revolve around what I have, what I want, what I... Like Jesus says, no, it doesn't. There's something greater. There's something beyond today. Secondly, when I come under the rule of the kingdom, my values change to the values of the king. Have you seen a, chi- a shift in your values? Since you've come to Christ, since you begin following Him, since you've taken up the cross and said, I am going in this direction, have your values changed? Are you thinking differently than, than you did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? He's going to talk a little bit more about that. Jesus declares some things next in verses 27 to 34. These are the values of the king. Here's the things that the king values. If I'm part of the kingdom, I probably need to listen to what's important to the king. But I say, I affirm as true to you who hear, love. The word there is agape, it means to to be fond of. Love your enemies. Be fond of your enemies. How about tolerate my enemies, Jesus? That sounds like a good enough... No. Be fond of your enemies. Do good. The word good there means no, leave no room for blame. You can't cuss them out. Do good to those who hate you. That's that pursuing hatred again. Bless, celebrate with praise, is what that word bless means, those who curse you. I mean, Ricardo says something to me, or I say something to him, and it's nasty, and he says, you're such a good friend. I thank God for putting you in my life. Huh? Jesus said that's like heaping coals of fire in another passage. But that's supposed to be my response. I, I, I don't like that response. Pray for those who mistreat you. This word to mistreat means to insult, to treat abusively, to use despitefully, and to revile. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. Don't withhold yourself. You enter into relationship and you take a hit. Don't withdraw from the relationship. Allow God to continue using the relationship. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Don't walk away from people who use you. 
Are you in relationships where you feel it's one-sided? And you're going like, there's nothing much in this for me. I think I'm going to flush the relationship. Um, no. Don't do that. Don't demand it back from them. That's a financial word there. It's, a, it's financial vocabulary. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. And that word means to be equal, like a balancing scale. And the way you want to be treated, balance the scales of justice as you would want them balanced for you. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit? Same idea, same financial term as we were talking about a moment ago. What credit? Where's, where's the interest? Where's the deposit in the bank? What credit is that to you? For even sinners, those who pursue sin, love those who love them. What makes you any different? What's the deal here? For sinners, those devoted to sin, do the same. That's like living in the flesh. Verse 34. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Same, same financial term again. I say to Ken, I'm going to lend you 50 bucks because I know Ken will probably lend me 50 bucks and, and maybe he's going to help me with something. No. Not on any ability to pay back. Not on any ability to reciprocate. Man, I've got to get that through my thinking. I was raised, you reciprocate. You help those who help you. You build relationships. And it's like Jesus is kind of knocking that thing down. And, and I, 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 that's hard because I was raised different than that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. There's two thoughts here. Values are very important in that they act as a curb for our actions. Curbs. Sometimes we have arguments with curbs. My, I remember one time Lori had an argument with a curb and, and, it, and it did in a tire. And once in a while, we have arguments with curbs. And there's others here I know of. I won't even bring that up. But curbs help keep us in the right area of life. Our values act as curbs. What we value would determine how we respond and how we behave. Do I have kingdom values or not? Who we say we are is not who we are. Okay, do you got that? Who we say we are is not who we are. What we do declares who we are. Wrap that around for a minute. What I say I am, what I say I believe, what I say about myself is not definitive. It's how I act, react, how I live. That declares what I really believe. Our actions are proof of our account being credited with the righteousness of Jesus. If the righteousness of Jesus is in your life, if the new nature is in your life, you will reflect that. I want to talk for a minute about values. We have some values here at the church. If you come to the Encounter 100 class, I mean, if for, for you old-timers who haven't gone through the 100 class, maybe if you see it coming up some night, it would be really good to sit in on that because you'd say, okay, here's some things that maybe weren't here 10 years ago, but we've sat down, we've said, here's the things that we value as a church. These are the non-negotiable values of our church. First of all, evangelism with boldness, sharing the good news of Jesus. 
That's what we're going to be about. That's going to be hot on the burner, is sharing what Jesus has done in my life, in your life, to affect our world. Number two, celebration of the diversity of gifting and talent, personalities, and passion for ministry. That comes right out of 1 Corinthians 12. We're different, and it's okay to be different, and we need each other. And what you bring to the table is exactly what the body needs. And what I bring to the table is what the body needs. There's not a single person here who is not a follower of Jesus whose gifts are not needed in this place. Number three, ministry by the members. That's you, the body. I'm your coach. I'm a minister with you. We all do this together. I don't do my thing and you go home and do your thing. We do God's thing together. Number four, Mutual submission and service to one another. I care about you. You care about me. We care about each other. We care about other members of this body. And when we need to, we submit one to another. Number five, biblical teaching. Hebrews says that the word of God is sharp and powerful than any two-edged sword, able to divide, discern between body and spirit. The word of God is a non-negotiable here. Six, persistent and continual prayer. We have a number who, that's, they're, they're champions for that. And we're, we're putting the heat on. We're putting more logs on the fire in this thing of prayer. And that's important as a body, as a church. We need to, to be committed to that. Passionate and sincere worship, John 4. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. Commitment to healthy personal relationships. Following things like Matthew 18. And, uh, and, and the scripture that says, as much as possible, be at peace with all men and women. Implied as women, it doesn't say women, but it doesn't mean that you need to be at peace with men and not women. We need to be at peace together. Continuous personal and corporate growth. Relational accountability. Scripture says, confess your sins to one another. Be open, honest, don't hide. Change can't take place in the dark. You need to have light. And when you're open and honest, I, I told you before, changing in the dark is not healthy. Uh, my wife loves to change furniture, and not so much now. We're, we're getting older. Our furniture isn't moving. Well, you did move the living room around again. Anyway, when, I was, when we were younger, I was getting used to this. I came in one night into the bedroom, and it was like dark, and there's no street lights where we were, and I'm kind of put my clothes off, and I go to sit on the end of the bed, and bang, right on the floor. And, and this voice says, um, I moved the room around today. Being in the dark is not healthy. You need light. We're committed to that value, confessing our sins to one another. Finally, a firm belief in the supernatural. We have a God who enters into our world and he touches our lives and he is alive and well and we do not worship a dead God. Hey, Stan, in verses 21 and 22, so being blessed those who are hungry and weeping. Now, is that just saying that you don't have to worry about what things are like on earth because things will be much better in heaven? Personally, I'm not weeping every day, and I got a bit of a belly, so I'm not really hungry. So am I not blessed, or can, can you just shed some light on that? No, I think that misses really the point where he's coming from. It's when we learn how to draw down on Jesus how to come to him, it's, there's the blessing, there's the happiness. When we learn to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we learn to bring everything that's going on in our life, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the things that we struggle with, and when 
we come to Jesus, when we draw down on him, we now then have the Holy Spirit coming alongside us, convincing, teaching, convicting, allowing us to now live in him. Happy are you when you learn to do that because it's the tough things in life that draw you close to Jesus. So it's basically stating that our happiness is independent upon our situation, but rather he is our happiness. Well, right. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's this thing where I, there's a big difference between joy and happiness. And in this context, it's really uh, joyful are you happy to a certain extent, but it's, it's not the surfacey kind of stuff. It's like when I'm going through the deepest, darkest valley that I can think of, Jesus is with me. I'm not alone. He's promised to get me through it. I'm, I'm not going to lose heaven through this. And he's promised to walk with me day by day. All right. Thanks a lot. Again, another passage here kind of confuses me a little bit. Verse 26, it says, Woe, which means that's pretty serious, to you when all men speak well of you. Now, true story. Just a little while ago, I was looking to transfer schools. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people were actually saying that they're going to miss me because you're a pretty good guy. Really? Believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> not yeah. so bad. It's going to be a whole, all, all that kind of stuff. So people actually were speaking. I saw it to your mom today. I don't think she misses you from, from being at home. As I was saying, people were actually speaking well of me. Yes. So do I need to woe? In the world's context, if people are saying well of you all the time and there's no confrontation, there's no, there's no tension between them and you about Jesus then that means that there's nothing in your life that's causing them to feel uncomfortable. And so that's where he's getting down. I mean, if you fit right in with the world, I mean, if you're, my grandmother used to talk about, you know, being as snug as a bug in a rug, that kind of thing. I mean, if you're just like really traveling along, loving the world's thing, doing the world's, there's something wrong. But if I'm loving others like Jesus loved others, will they not also speak well of me? They will, but not all the time. And it will, and to the point when it gets to talking about sin and repentance and eternal destiny. And so having a good reputation is different than fitting in with the gang. I mean, you can have, I mean, ever heard that where somebody will say, well, you know, they think this and I think, but I respect them. And that's a different thing. I think that's where you're talking about all right, now, Stan, let's go back one verse. It says, again, woe to you who are, who are well-fed now, for you shall be hungry. We got that one. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Now, is it most of the Western world well-fed and kind of laughing, enjoying mm-hmm. life? Can we not enjoy our lives without having much punishment? First of all, he's talking to those who who are without God. And so if all you've got in this life is what you've got now, when it comes time, it says in Scripture that there's a point unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. That's when, if you buy in the world system, if you buy in what's in, what we say is in North America is important, we kind of do this Solomon thing, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die that's when we are going to be sorely disappointed with the choice. You know, Stan, I really like having you as my friend. You just kind of help me understand the word, and, and that that's good. So, all right, well, we need to say goodbye. But before we do, I just want to thank you for spending this evening with us. 
to all of those who are listening, know that you're always welcome to check things out at Evangel Community Church, where we meet every Sunday for our worship service that begins at 10.30. We're located at 112 Spadina Road West in Kitchener, and our website is evangelcommunity.com. This week, I'd like to encourage you to love your enemies, you know, those who just kind of rub you the wrong way and always seem to push those buttons. When you find it difficult or impossible to do so, turn to the one who died on the cross for us. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. of new